Hey everybody, it's your favorite reconstructionists, Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and welcome to episode number nine of the one and only show, bringing you tips and tricks for working vehicle collision cases from the best experts in the industry every Wednesday. Today's topic is fitting your car under a microscope. So grab your expert angle coffee mug and settle in three, two, one, off we go. Every year, traffic crashes claim the lives of over a million people and account for over $500 billion of injuries around the world. A small select group of people from police to attorneys to expert investigators are tasked with getting justice for the victims, protecting the rights of involved parties, and ensuring the story is told accurately and honestly. Unfortunately, we believe that is an impossible task without the right team of experts. If you agree, then keep on listening for actionable tips from leading experts across various industries that you can start taking today to elevate your professional game. If you disagree, then tune in anyway and let us convince you with our ideas. We are Eric Brown and Phil Rally, and this is Crash Tech, the expert angle. Welcome back to the show, guys. Crash Tech, the expert angle podcast is brought to you by Crash Tech Reconstruction Services. If you have an accident that you need answers for or you think the other side has it wrong, Crash Tech can help. Connect with us at www.crashtechreconstruction.com to submit your case for a free Review. So everybody, we have a special show for you today. Uh, unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, Phil cannot be with us. Darn internet, I tell you. So I did a something great and I brought in Eric Cook, who is another one of our reconstructionists with Crash Tech, and he's also one of our forensic vehicle examiners. So you're going to like Eric better anyway. Most people do. Um, <laughs> hopefully, so hopefully, since Phil's internet's down, hopefully he's not listening to this. <laughs> so, um, but uh, no. So we're gonna we're gonna dive in here, and if Phil chimes in during the middle of the the show, great. Then we'll we'll add him in, and we'll get him up to speed with where we are. So Eric, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. That's awesome. First time on, and uh, so tell everybody a little bit about you. What's your what's your background? Where you come from? What have you done? Stuff like that. Uh, I've been the uh, I come from a law enforcement background. I've been in law enforcement for about fifteen years now. Um, worked for a couple of different, uh, agencies. Um, but primarily, you know, have always, uh, it, and we all know in, in law enforcement, most people don't like, you know, crashes, uh, but yes. I look at it as kind of like a puzzle, <laughs> you know, it was always intriguing to me to try and figure out what happened and putting things back together, like working backwards type of thing. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I got into doing accidents and, uh, you know, went through all the different classes and, uh, got my certification for reconstruction and uh right. built on top of that and uh went to uh IPTM's uh post crash vehicle forensics uh inspection course and uh tell you what uh, it was a good course and I, I know that you've uh you've also been there and yeah so that was that was a fun school so me and Eric actually went to that school together down at the University of North Florida they uh because up until this point there was really no schools that certified anybody to be a, a forensic vehicle inspector. And so we're going to dive into, you know, what, what makes the difference between what we do on the forensic side to just a regular post-crash inspection. But it was a, it was a pretty fun school. Go, oh, absolutely. Go down. Yeah. Uh, it, plus we got to spend some time on the beach, which that's always, uh, it's always a good thing. <laughs> Never a bad thing. Right. And we drove a fun car because uh, going to Florida, we, uh, neither one of us wanted to put the miles on our car and we rented a uh, twin turbo all wheel drive infinity <laughs> To make it all the way down 77 through the mountains of Virginia and everything else. So it was uh it was a fun drive in that car. So 
Yeah. I'm surprised we're not in jail. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think we're outside the statute of limitations on traffic. Yeah, offenses. I think we, we definitely are. We yeah. definitely, so it's okay to say that now. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so um, now also after you got your reconstruction, you came on uh, the county's multi-jurisdictional crash team. Yes, yes. Uh, came out to a few crashes with us on that. Uh, did a couple inspections for us, too. Yes, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, right now, just temporarily, at least you're, you're on a hiatus from it. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. New, new, new responsibilities have presented themselves. So. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get you back in the next couple of months. But uh, That's the plan. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how that works out. So let's dive in here. And, and this is, I, I think the first thing that we got to do is clarify for people what the difference is between a regular vehicle inspection and a forensic vehicle inspection. So I I don't know. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but when I think of just a regular post-crash vehicle inspection and and what I see, I think most people do, most departments, most police officers and everything else is is they go out and they'll document just the, the damage, right? Like they're, it's kind of, I, the way I look at it, sometimes it's like, it's kind of like the, the nut in the shell, when you're doing your, you know, your your post crash inspection on a, on a regular inspection basis, you're looking at what's what the outside's telling you. You know, you're looking at the vehicle damage, what uh, you know where the vehicle was hit. You know, what type of you know what your measurements are for crush and things like that. Um, but then once you crack it open, you start looking at the mechanical side of things. You know, once you get inside, you're looking at your braking systems, your steering components, suspensions. Had things been altered? That had they had, you know aftermarket stuff added to the to the vehicle such as lift kits things like that that could ultimately alter how that vehicle was meant to uh to perform yeah so i guess it would be fair to say uh that a regular inspection when we talk about post-collision inspections is just documenting the evidence that's observable absolutely right like okay driver's side doors crushed in b pillars crushed in rear driver's side doors crushed in so the the point of impact with the other car is here Yes. But when we talk about forensics, now we're applying a scientific approach to the reconstruction. So now we're actually diving in to try and uncover evidence that maybe couldn't be seen. Yes. And, and determine uh, what that evidence is telling us. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So we can do some pretty fun things with this. Um, I think at least I don't oh, yeah. it, maybe it's because I'm a geek. I don't know. I'm right there with you. So I, yeah. I can't really, I can't really uh, go against that, that mentality and that theory. Yes. But you know, so I would say one of the biggest misconceptions I think that, that people have is th- that they look at accident reports and on the accident report, you'll see police officers list sudden, uh, sudden mechanical failure as a cause of a crash. Yeah. And because think about that, you know, in our time as, as a law enforcement officer, how many times have you gone out and people are like, oh, my brakes failed? Yeah. Or I, my tire blew out or, uh, you know, something like that. Or, oh, I couldn't, st- my steering just failed on me or the car took off on me at a sudden acceleration event, things like that. And we get those, those cases on the private side too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and so I think this is where it becomes important to be able to dive into these events because, you know, when you start actually looking at the numbers, it's what less than 2% of crashes, I think that can technically be listed as a mechanical failure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and that's crazy. So think about that because I would say probably 50% of the crashes that we look at, at least have it listed on the OH1. Some type of, yeah, mechanical issue was their, uh, 
their conclusion of why the crash happened. Yeah. And so, you know, it's important to look at that. And the reason that the numbers vary so differently is let's just take hydroplaning as our first example, because, and, and we've worked some of these on crash tech with, with the hydroplaning cases. And so, I, I don't know, when we look at that, are, are the low tread on the tires, did it contribute to the crash? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Right. But did the tire tread all of a sudden, like yesterday they were driving with proper tread on their tires and today all of a sudden it's super low. I'm glad you put it that way because that's that's everybody's mentality about it that, oh, well, my my tire still had a little bit of tread on that, that should have never happened. But when you dive into tread depth with, you know, service viscosity and depth of water, you know, if you're driving through water that's deeper than the tread on your tires, you no longer have traction. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, so, and the, like you said, the tires didn't go bald, or they didn't lose that traction overnight. That has been a ongoing thing, which, right. with you know, current maintenance and upkeep of your vehicle, would prevent that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the way I look at that then is the driver knows their tires, or should know that their tires are low on tread. Oh, yeah. That's your responsibility. Yep. So, if you're driving too fast and start to hydroplane because your tread is low, the tread isn't a sudden mechanical right. failure. No. The, the actual cause of the crash is that the driver's driving too fast for conditions. Exactly. Right? Which is human I mean, error, not yeah. mechanical error. Right. It, you know, and I look at the same thing on your ACDA crashes. So many people are like, well, my brakes are bad. And I've actually seen that on some of these cases on the civil side where the, uh, you know, defense tried to use that as a defense. Well, the brakes were worn down and that's why they couldn't stop in time and they slammed into the back of this car. Okay. Well, did your brakes... Do brake pads wear that much that all of a sudden, like one day they're in brand new shape and tomorrow the squeals are squealing on them? No. And, and that's a long term, you know, obviously we all, you know, know that brakes do do go bad eventually, but it's not something that you're not replacing your brakes every week. It's, you know, sometimes it could be a year, a couple years, depending on the amount of time that you drive. But it's definitely not a all of a sudden issue right and you know for anybody that's experienced this i mean now my my wife is is the type of driver that as the her car starts to make funny noises she just turns the radio up to drown out the funny noise <laughs> until i get in the car and then i'm like hey what's going on <laughs> right i'm like hey how long has that noise been doing it i don't know but man i've been having to turn the radio up for the last month oh okay so easily the last month but you know think about this you know you as the drivers of cars have have probably experienced this either where once your brakes start to wear down, right? You know when your brakes are starting to go bad because they either oh. start squealing because that little thin piece of metal's hitting on your rotors, or if they get really bad, they start grinding. Oh yeah, you get to those safety nubs, and that's that's it just right. And you can you like you can literally gouging. feel it just yeah. just grinding against the rotor, yeah. you know. So you know when your brakes are are needing replaced, and so at that point, would you not say that it's your responsibility? You know your brakes are going bad. Oh, so it's your responsibility yeah. to to put more distance between you and the vehicles in front of you because you know the so it's not a sudden mechanical failure that caused the crash no it, you know it's it's driver error you're following too close because you should know your vehicle now i guess you know if you just if you had just gotten in the car like you borrow my car or let's just say you borrow my wife's car whose brakes are horrible <laughs> and and you've never driven it before you know, this is your first time ever getting in it. And as soon as you back out of the driveway, you drive down the road and, and you just roll through the stop sign a little bit because the brakes are bad and, and you hit somebody. 
on that one, what's your thoughts? I mean, could you contribute that to a vehicle failure? You know, that that's, that's a tough one because I mean, ultimately you're not aware of the situation, but at the same time, it's not really a, a I wouldn't say that's a failure. Your right. brakes are still working. Yeah. I mean, the, my thing would be is if you're dry, you say somebody jumps in your wife's vehicle and regardless if the brakes are bad or not, but they drive down the road. and <laughs> They're not, just so you guys know, my wife's brakes are not bad. <laughs> so I just, I'm just using this as an example. <laughs> but I would say if you have a, a, a sudden loss in brake pressure, like maybe the one of the lines, uh, you know, broke unexpectedly and then all of a sudden you go to stop and you push the brake pedal to the floor and you just goes through that that stop sign or that intersection and you get clipped that i would attribute obviously to a mechanical failure but um now is that something you could tell from an inspection of whether or not the line came off as a result of the collision or came off and then resulted in the collision um it would depend on the the nature of the impact but yeah i mean i would say if you had a line that that burst chances are it was weak and it was probably already leaking uh, to some extent, maybe not enough that where you knew there was an actual, you know, an issue, um, you'd have a lot of fluid around that area, um, things like that. You can look to see if something's been leaking for a long time or, you know, on metal parts corrosion that didn't, obviously you're going to see a break in that metal possibly, um, but you're also going to see what was the outer structural, you know, uh, surroundings of that had it been rusting away for a while. And now it's just weaker than it's uh, structurally supposed to be for normal operation type things. Um, you know, there, there are ways to check for that. Yeah. yeah. And I would say, and, and this is where too, I, I would say a forensic vehicle inspection differs from just a, a post-collision inspection is because of the forensic nature of it. Right. So again, we're, we're applying that, that scientific approach to mm-hmm. it. So on the forensic side of things, you're, you know, these vehicle inspections may be completed not as part of a full reconstruction. And so this is where like pulling the police report and actually analyzing scene photos, doing a scene visit, things like that become really important because if somebody's claiming that their brake line blew, mm-hmm. right, you're going to have evidence on the roadway. Oh, absolutely. You're going to have a ton of evidence on the roadway, yeah. especially when that line goes. Yeah. So, you know, if they're like, oh, I was coming up to this crosswalk and all of a sudden I see this pedestrian in front of me, I, I dynamite my brakes and the line pops prior to impact, you're going to see the fluid on the ground. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and the fluid actually, I mean, generally sprays when in a pretty big, pretty yeah, big pattern. Yeah. If you, if you're jamming on those brakes, all that pressure is going out the, the exit point, the only place it can go. And you're going to have a high amount of fluid yeah. at that location. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, we talked about it. Uh, me and Phil talked about a few weeks ago of um, the importance of getting out to an accident scene as, as fast as we can right after an accident, because I, you know, especially that, here in Ohio. Yeah. And, and how quickly does that evidence disappear off the uh, road? I mean, days, you know, if you're lucky, you might get a, a week or two, but I mean, here in Ohio, you know, you've got the salt and plow trucks in the winter time. So, I mean, if not only do you lose paint relatively quickly at a scene, but I mean, you start scraping down layers of concrete, you might start losing your gouges, your, you know, things of that nature that, that might not be, deep things like that so yeah i mean it's super important to get there and you know get that inspection done yeah so you know let's just i guess i want to hit on one more thing about brakes and then we'll, we'll kind of move on but a lot of people too and i've seen this in in reports from other experts and they go well the brake pads were worn down to the point of the the backing um is starting to come through like the actual pad material itself is mm-hmm. pretty much gone so just because the pad material is gone do the brakes no longer work on a car? No. 
they, they, you know, the, the calipers, um, when they pinch your, your rotor, if you're working with a disc brake system, obviously, um, even if your pads are gone, your, your brakes are still, uh, the backing on your brake pads will still be pushed against that rotor. It will give you some friction. It's obviously not going to stop the same, but it doesn't mean all of it. And it's going to make a heck of a noise. Oh yeah. (laughs) But it's not, you know, it's not going to prevent you from slowing down or stopping eventually. So saying that, that they were worn down, that, that inhibited, you know, that, that made meant that the brakes no longer work. That's not, that's not the case. They They would still have some force or friction against that rotor to, yeah, they're just not really. They're just not dissipating heat as, yeah. as well as uh, yeah. a brand new they're heat actually pad. Yeah. Increasing heat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're gonna see the the rotors are gonna be glowing red hot when you actually uh, <laughs> yeah get stopped. But so let's let's talk about steering failures because that's another one too that you hear all the time, right? Oh, my steering went out in my car. Now, you know, is it possible for most most vehicles steer now with a rack and pinion system? Yes, and and so I guess is it possible for one of those systems to fail? anything's possible it's you know, like we say and you know every anything's possible with it being man-made there are errors there can be errors there can be you know flaws in the material i mean anything's possible yeah and that's why you know these inspections are so you know important because you know you have say you have a, a newer vehicle that hits the market and all of a sudden you have some steering failure yeah and then like ah okay so it's it's that that one percent that could have happened but now you may end up coming across something where you actually have a manufacturer's defect yeah. that you start having repeated models of that now, same year yeah. that are. And now you know, you're really setting up for a class action suit, something exactly, like that, because yeah. if you have multiple crashes across exactly. the. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but in reality, I mean, have you ever seen a rack and pinion system fail? No. And neither have I. And that's just, I mean, they're, they're so simplistic of systems. I mean, yeah. the rack and pinion generally is not going to fail. I would say most of your steering failures actually come from like the tie rod ends. Oh, tie rod ends. I see those constantly. And I think anybody watching this will know that if you've ever seen a vehicle on the side of the road and you've got like the passenger side wheel is turned out to the right. And then you have your driver's side wheels turned out to the left or turned in two different directions. That's where you end up having usually that tie rod failure and it probably snapped or broken while you're driving or making a turn. And then yeah, obviously your, your vehicle's not going anywhere after that. So I was, I was going to make another comment about my wife's driving, but <laughs> unfortunately she does listen to the show and I'm like, we don't, we don't, we don't need an angry caller calling in. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just let that one go. But yeah. So, uh, you know, in that one there, you know, again, are you able to tell a vehicle component failure that resulted in the collision as opposed to one, that's a result of a collision. It's a fine line. I mean, it really takes a lot of an inspection as far as like looking at that specific piece and looking at, you know, if you have, like I said before, if it's a tie rod and you're looking at like maybe one of the, uh, one of the mounting pieces, you know, corroded away and got weak, you know, biggest thing you, I would do is I would compare it to what does the one that's still intact look like, you know, what type of condition is it in? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if it's, it, if you're dealing with a corrosion, especially here in Ohio with all the salt that likes to eat our cars away out from underneath us. Um, and that's the biggest thing that you see with those types of failures is a, a metal, you know, corrosion where the material is no longer there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely doable. Cause I mean, you're going to have on a, on a metal piece, you're going to have that, that fresh breaking, uh, that fresh look where the metal actually snaps or breaks and, you know, and, 
Yeah. Well, and, and so let me let me transition here real quick. So, you know, let's let's take a look at generally where we see this excuse come in of, you know, steering failure, tie rod end failure, right, is, is generally in rollovers. We see that a lot. You oh, know, yeah. vehicles coming down the road, turn sideways, start rolling over and barrel rolling down the highway. And they're like, oh, my steering failed, tie rod end failure, right? So surprisingly enough, while your vehicle is driving down the highway, that wheel is, is, is it not sort of acting a little bit like a motorcycle? You got a little bit of the gyroscope effect. Yeah. And so realistically, until you jerk the wheel, even if your tire rod and brakes, that tire tracks for the most part, pretty much in line with the rear tire. And exactly. so you, you know, if you all of a sudden detect that failure, could you slowly start to transition and, and get your vehicle over to the side of the road while decreasing speed? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So if you're driving down the road and you detect this and you jerk the wheel at a 90 degree angle, not a good thing. while not decreasing speed, which results in the vehicle rollover, is it really, is it the vehicle defect that caused the rollover? No, the human reaction to the mechanical. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, it's a poor reaction. Yeah. I'm part of the driver, right? Well, and, and like you said, with, with, with tracking, you know, if you do have a tie rod failure, you're going to see evidence of that before uh, collision or rollover by the tire marks up on the road because you're obviously going to have a tire that's not that's sideways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're going to have that long stretch of, of evidence, you know, prior to. So, yeah, you're going to look at the scene and be like, oh, yeah, well, right here is where it went, you know, where the tie rod probably failed. And at this point, the vehicle then, you know, lost control or whatever. And, and that's completely different. Yeah. You know, so. But again, I mean, but it still comes back to, you know, after the failure, you, you had an inappropriate Reaction. reaction by yep. the driver yep. that, that really resulted in the crash, not the, not the mechanical defect. So again, mechanical defect can contribute, mm -hmm. but it's not the cause. Yep. Right. Um, so let, let's take a look at another one. And, and we deal with these all the time, all the time. Number one, most given excuse for me, at least, I don't know about you, but my number one, most given excuse that, that I get from drivers is sudden acceleration events. <laughs> Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. I was sitting on my brake pedal and the car and just, it just took off. went out of control. I mean, it just took off like, like a rocket ship. <laughs> and, you know, even though the car isn't even capable of accelerating up to 60 miles an hour and 10 feet, that's how fast it accelerated. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are, uh, those are good ones. I do hear that a lot as well. Um, but you know, and we both know being in this field and going through what we went through with braking systems and, and, and we both, both of us have dove deep into braking systems on, on several of our cases. Um, but we both know that the vehicle's braking system can overpower the vehicle's, uh, acceleration, acceleration. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it can counteract that. Yeah. So right. if you were to a have vehicle. a sudden takeoff, all you have to do is apply the brakes. Yeah. Or right. if you're smart enough, even if you apply the brakes, put the vehicle in neutral and turn the key off. Yeah. And safely, you know, yep. decelerate to. So let's let's look at, you know, the, the most famous case, I think, that really brought sudden uh, sudden acceleration events into into the, the popular um, mindset of everybody. And that would be the Toyota case. Oh yeah. Right. No, no, you still, you still buy Toyotas. Yeah. And your Absolutely. wife has a Toyota. Yeah. So you trust your wife and your daughter in these out of control cars that just suddenly accelerate <laughs> wildly out of control. You know, and it's funny you bring, I knew that was going to come up today. <laughs> uh, yeah. I have personally owned uh, 
two Camrys. My wife has had a Camry. She now has a RAV4. FYI, if, if anybody from Toyota is listening to this, you need to send a check to us for plugging your vehicles. You know what? I'll take a percentage <laughs> off my next vehicles. Right. Um, yeah. You don't even have to give me one. Just, you know, yeah. actually some t-shirts and yeah. we'll call it square. Like really. I'll, I'll take a Tumblr. I'm easy. Yeah. You know, whatever. Um, like a, yeah. like a Toyota Tervis or something. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, we have never had, uh, that sudden acceleration. Well, and, and so and we've never, you know, any vehicle I've ever owned, regardless of maker model, you yeah. know, and, and both of us being law enforcement, how many different police cars have you driven? Oh my God. Different ones. I mean, like even just in a year when you didn't drive the same yeah. car over and over again, you know, you, Oh man, like we, we had a big fleet. So, I mean, yeah, a ton. Yeah. So, and how many times have you had a sudden acceleration? Never. Okay, so the amount of vehicles you've driven in your life, mm-hmm. as far as from the time you started driving to up to now, yeah, hundreds of vehicles probably. Yeah, so hundreds of different vehicles, be, obviously because of the fleet, the vehicles you've owned. Yep. No, no sudden acceleration. No. And so surprisingly, when we started to download the the electronic modules from these Toyotas and the, and the other sudden acceleration events, nine times out of ten, what are we actually seeing? Was the cause of the sudden acceleration event? What happened to the accelerator pedal? was pushed it was pushed (laughs) like i would say i no i don't want to definitively say every single case but in almost every case there was some factor where that acceleration pedal was yeah either be it the floor mats or something like that but that's one of the the things that's recorded in the cdr data is the position of the accelerator pedal so they're seeing that not only is the accelerator pedal being depressed but what wasn't depressed the brake the brakes Ever, yeah, ever. Never. In any case, never. there was never a brake application. So you have a, an accelerator pedal input, no braking, and we're calling these sudden acceleration events. I mean, yeah. What what do you expect when you push the gas and don't apply the brakes? That's why they call it the go button. The, the car goes yeah. right. Yeah, the go button. <clears throat> you know, and, and so the other thing too that you got to think about is not only do your brakes provide enough force to overcome the acceleration, mm-hmm. but most cars have a safety feature where if the gas is being depressed or just the throttle itself is open and you depress the brake pedal, Mm -hmm. it cuts the power. Exactly. Right. So try this today while you're cruising down the highway at 65, 70 miles an hour on the gas pedal, just slam on the brake at the same time. You both, (laughs) no, I'm joking. Do not do that. Do not do do that. So I'm just going to step out of feed right now. I was not part of that comment. That actually, I'll send you the transfer scripts of the call that was eric cook that said that so if you try it and wreck your vehicle no. forensic um, inspector told me to do it right but in the parking lot well no other cars are around hold on your brake pedal and try and tack your gas at the same time and and a couple things will happen a the car won't move or b uh the car's power will cut okay so that's one thing well, now and, and there's a good there's a good um example for this is when you know back when we were all teenagers mm-hmm. or even you know like people like us that are adults, when you're sitting that, that there, still act like they have a rear wheel drive car and yeah. you hold the brake down and you put the gas on to get those back tires spinning. Does right. your vehicle go anywhere? Nope. So there's a perfect example of how the braking system yeah. counteracts any acceleration that the vehicle can do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, but I would say there's also a couple more options. So if the vehicle is a sudden acceleration event, could you shift it into neutral? Oh, absolutely. Could you turn the power off? Yeah. 
like just turn the key back. Yeah. Right. I mean, so there's tons and tons of different options. That, could you pull the e-brake? Yeah, people, <laughs> uh, and I think a lot of it is, is, you know, people panic and they, what do I, I, I don't know what to do. It's like their, their head, their thought process just yeah. is gone. Yeah. And, and so, and that's no disrespect. I mean, I, I it, it's just a human, human reaction. You right. Know, and, so. and so again, though, that, that comes back to that right there. So what's the causative action in the crash? Yeah. It's human, the inappropriate human. response yep. by the driver. It's not the vehicle. Yeah. And so, you know, these are all things that you got to look at. And again, sudden acceleration events, you know, they can be inspected. So when we get to the vehicle, you know, we check all of the different components to see if oh, yeah. there are any of the components found because could a throttle cable stick? Yeah. Now most, oh, absolutely. most now, of your vehicles now are now drive yeah. by wire. But I mean, so, there's a lot of those hot rods out there and things like that, that have been garage built and things like that, that, yep. you know, how many times have we seen those? Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? And it ends up being a, a simple thing, but it's, you know, that, those cables stick all the time. Yep. You know, and and so I'd say that would be the closest to a runaway vehicle would be like the older vehicle. Well, and I say older now because man, we're just we're getting old. Yeah. You know, but the old vehicles that actually had the steel cable that pulled that throttle plate inside of your On throttle cars, body. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and and it would open that plate to allow the air in. And uh, you know, those cables you would see stick every yeah. once in a while. And so your engine would stick in that revving. But again, turn the key off. Turn the key off, shift in neutral, hold on the brakes. Yeah. Any of those three are going to counteract that, right? Exactly. Yep. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things there. Now, I don't really want to get into tires because we actually have a tire expert coming on the show. Yeah, and, that's, and, and that is a huge, I mean, that that's something you can die. That's that you could actually make probably three of these episodes over tires with everything. Actually, that's what he said, too. He yeah. was like, yeah, he's like, dude, how many episodes do you want me to do? He's like, because I have enough stuff. To, oh, yeah, you can get into tread, tire inflation, yeah. blowouts. I mean, anything and everything, how tires wear. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. But that, that'll be, I'm looking forward to, to watching those episodes because those are, yeah, those, and, so, and tires are always changing. Yeah. Like the compositions and what they're capable oh, yeah. of, run flats and all the other stuff that's out there now. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so that's, I think, one of the neat things is being right here in their backyard. I mean, we have both Goodyear and Firestone. Oh, we yeah. have Cooper tires, all this stuff. It was all made right here in Akron, Ohio. We're, so. we're not, we're not endorsing Goodyear or, or fire. We're not endorsing anybody. No. Okay. Okay. You mean because of the law enforcement side of things? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no comment. It is. Yeah. It is what it is. Anyway. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, absolutely. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of a neat thing that we have. I mean, being from the Akron area is, is we do have a huge exposure, I would say to the tire industry. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's just, there's so much new technology that comes out. It feels like daily. When it comes to tires, um, do you think yeah, our, do you think our parents would have ever realized that there's tires out there that have a sixty five thousand mile warranty on them? Right. I mean, compared I to you know back when we were kids, it seemed like they got or tires, tires that won't go flat. Yeah. You know, I mean, all oh, this stuff. I mean, it's crazy. It's and so, insane. you know, so. But tires are a big part of a forensic inspection as they well. Are. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, hopefully what we did is at least shed a little bit of light on on what can be accomplished and some of the misconceptions, because like I said, these are the biggest defenses I see. So as a, as a, as an attorney out here, if you see the the defense side trying to take this, oh, the brakes were worn down. Oh, the, the vehicle suddenly accelerated, stuff like that. This is stuff they need to call on. Absolutely. I mean, right. that's and unless you get one of us in there, you know, one of us being a, a forensic inspector, um, those aren't things you're going to be able to see from outside the shell. Yeah, I ab- mean, absolutely. And, and so I guess, uh, you know, <laughs> funny enough, I would I would say, are, are there any vehicles that you can inspect? I mean, can you do this to a motorcycle? Yes. Can you can you forensically inspect a car, a yes. semi? How about a golf cart? 
<laughs> I knew that was coming. Uh, my very first vehicle forensic inspection was on a golf cart rollover. Okay. So yeah, yeah. yes, you can. All right. And, um, and believe it or not, their their braking systems are you know they're not complex, but I mean there's a lot of moving parts and the way that they work, they're all you know cable driven like we talked about. So yeah. obviously looking at you know. And actually, the first case, I think, I think it was the first case you ever were. Can you do a forensic inspection on a boat? Oh, yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We can do boats, too. Yes, we can. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And those are a little bit different. Yeah. But so, right. same, I mean, same principles. It's, it's, it's physics. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, are you looking at something that was a, a human factor or something that mechanically failed? I yeah. mean, those are the two big things when you come down to a forensic inspection. That's what you're looking for. Cause usually if you're doing a forensic inspection, they're claiming a mechanical malfunction or a sudden mechanical break. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, again, I, I just, you know, I want to, one, I want to thank you for coming on the show and then oh, thanks for having me, it, uh, you know, we're, we're coming up against our clock. So final thoughts. You know what, if you have any questions, you know, about any of the crashes that, that you may have in your lifetime and you, you know, you feel that it needs a, a closer look than just what you're getting at the scene, by all means, always consult with an expert. I mean, that's the best advice I can give you, especially coming into a mechanic. Like I said, you could be one of those people that actually, you know, have one, you know, we're not saying that they don't happen. Um, so yeah, if you honestly believe that you need to have a forensic inspector actually, uh, inspect your vehicle, uh, yeah, to either confirm that or to remove that from the equation. Yep. And, and so I guess my final thought on wrapping this entire show up is I see it more and more that vehicle defects are used as a defense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, That's the a, one, a number one go-to. Yeah. And, and so I think what we've done, at least in this show, is highlighted to the point that it's really not the, it's not a defense because even though a defect can occur before a crash, it's the inappropriate response of the driver that ultimately results in the crash. Yep. Well, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for the day. As always, jump over to Facebook and make sure you follow and join Crash Tech, the Expert Angle Group. Also, if you want to leave us feedback, have an idea for a show, or would like to be on a future show, head over to crashtechexpertangle.podbean.com and click the link on the right that says contact the show. The form will come up. Put anything that you want right in there. If you want more information on expert consulting services or training, visit us online at www.crashtechreconstruction.com. And finally, if you're a PI attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Facebook group. Or if you're a defense attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Defense Facebook group. Neither site contains any ads or spam. It's just a private community that brings experts from all different areas together with attorneys to collaborate or ask questions. So again, guys, thanks for tuning in. And remember, always leave your accident victims better off than you found them because at the end of the day, everything we're doing is for them. 